Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 94 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lowell, Todd Widener, Peter Jones. The whole family is here for episode 94. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. And thank you, Dan, for my new Bob Anderson hat. I'm very excited about it. So thank you for that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at AVG Cheese, and you can go to our website, www.avgcheese.com. 1,500 followers. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to ha- hit it today, and we're going to have to give out a T-shirt, an yeah. average cheese T-shirt. Yeah. We're I'm such four. an idiot, though, because like people can see how many followers we have. So. Right. We're at 1,000. So they probably will just wait until it's like 1,499. We're at 1,493 as we record this on Tuesday night. So at some point today, we'll have 1,500, and I'll send you a T-shirt. Peter, it's episode 94. It's the Charles Martin episode. No? Come on. (laughs) We should ask ask Jim McMahon whether it should be the Charles Martin episode. But 94, it's got to be KGB, doesn't it? Kabir. Baja Biamila, whose name, actual full name, is even longer than that. But he, he would be, KGB would be, I guess, the most successful 94 that the Packers have had, certainly in, in recent memory. Went to a school, I think, close to your heart, San Diego State. Indeed. That's all about Indeed. So the all-time, was the all-time, is still the all-time sack leader at San, San Diego State. Just above another famous name, Mike Douglas. Mike Mad Dog Douglas is second on that list. But going back to KGB, the Packers drafted him in the fifth round in, in 2000. And, he, and he, he pretty quickly became that pass-rushing right defensive end guy in the 4-3 type right defensive end because he's kind of tall but not very big in relative terms, kind of 6'4", 5'2", 45, that kind of size. But he had that explosive first step, I mean, really explosive first step off off the right end, which enabled him to log all those sacks. And I believe that he's the only player in Packers history to have four consecutive double-digit sack seasons. Ended his Packers career with 74 and a half sacks, which puts him well up on the Packers list, behind only Clay Matthews on the official number. One-time Pro Bowler in 2003, Packers Hall of Famer, went into the Hall of Fame in 2013 with... Chris Jackie, really good pass rusher off that right defensive. And I think actually, when you look back, the Packers have had a few of those players. You think of Aaron Campman, and we talked about Ezra Johnson a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, KGB. Is he still is. doing that weird ass religion thing? I was just looking him up to see if he had done anything crazy since then. But, but something no. about those San Diego State guys, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Peter, did you know that he met Prince Charles? That I did not know. He did. 
apparently in high school, he started an organic food company called Food from the Hood. And it, it gained a lot of notoriety. I mean, it was kind of a product out of the, uh, out of the 92 uh, LA riots. I guess it was just like featured on Newsweek. And it, it, back then, we didn't have a ton of, well, no social media. So it went viral as things could go viral at that point. And um, Prince Charles paid him a visit. Did you see KGB when he was at San Diego State? I'm trying to think mm, of the time frame. I might have seen him. I don't. I don't recall specifically. I remember seeing Fall. Yeah. So they moved back to California. I'm reading. He has a son named Jedi. <laughs> and a daughter C3PO. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice Star Wars reference. Are we going to talk about the the Queen? I think that you know the Packers playing in London in just a few weeks' time. You guys will be here. Um, can't wait for that. I think there's lots of people that will be coming over from Wisconsin, from all over the state for that game. I think the country will still be thinking about the passing of Her Majesty the Queen, which is a huge, huge thing. And we talked before the show, it should reign for 70 years. And I think for many of us, well, for most of us, was the only monarch that we've ever, we've ever known. And it's, it's a poignant piece of history. And somebody said it pretty well the other day that i don't know if you know our, our national anthem here up until recently was god save the queen and will now be god save the king and it's unlikely in our lifetime anybody alive today will ever hear god save the queen played as our national anthem ever again which is quite historic you know because king charles now and then his son william will be king and then his son george will be king it's really sad here right now it's um it's a poignant piece of, of history, however however you want to look at it. God save the king. King Charles will be a good king. And what else can we say? We don't have that, clearly, in the United States. But I don't know that we have that big of an affinity for our leaders because maybe it's just because of the fleeting nature of how quickly they come and go. You had said the queen had been the queen for, what, almost 70 Seven, years? 70 years, yeah. So we don't get that. Right. Like we don't have that. I think people I think the other thing, because the monarch is above politics, never speaks about political issues, doesn't give interviews, et cetera, et cetera. I think that whatever part of the political spectrum you come from doesn't matter. Yeah, in this instance, the monarch, you know, she was still our queen and um, will be very, very sorely missed. So on to a more positive news. Todd, the polar plunge. Now, maybe not all of our 1,493 Twitter followers have seen that your new challenge. So please explain, just in case. Uh, I'm giving Rashawn Gary another chance. Another kick at the can. Which I shouldn't, but I am. So the new challenge is that he has to get more sacks than Aiden Hutchinson. If he does, I will jump in a body of water. Yeah, but this can't be Virginia Ocean where it's like 70 degrees outside, polar plunge. Are you kidding me? It's like 20 fucking degrees here in, <laughs> in January. I really feel like you Trust should come me, home it's going to be fucking cold. I will find somewhere to jump in and it'll be fucking cold. So your son or your daughter is going to have to videotape said jump into the cold water. Otherwise, yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, actually, there is a polar plunge that we were going to participate in last year. The timing should be about right. So the season should end and then late February. You know, yeah, if if, that, if it happens, <laughs> if it happens, 
it's a regular season thing anyway. So that's yeah. going to end in January, which is about perfect timing. Yeah, we can so post, I- post the link for people to pledge or whatever. Yeah. So I can go make a fool out of myself. Well, if, done. I, if, I, if I'm honest with you, I'll do the jumping in now. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's going to happen anyway. But come yeah. on. And know. it's like 80 it's, degrees. It's 1 0, yeah, exactly. right? It's 1 0 right now. Gary, Gary's got one. Hutchinson's got zero. So. Yes. I will continue to update folks as things transpire. It will be videotaped. Yes, it will. I almost immediately put that on that Gary was up 1 0. I'm looking forward to this and I do appreciate you. And yeah, let's do something for charity. We'll maybe we'll figure out a yeah. way to make that make more money for veterans outreach, which I've totally forgot to mention when we started. So that's cool. Speaking of embarrassing yourself, I completely embarrassed myself this week on the average cheese pick'em. I think I got more teams wrong this week than I got all of last year. <laughs> I don't even remember my did I did I do my picks? Probably not. Oh. Probably not. You probably forgot. I will look later. I don't know. I was eight and six. Disgusting. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. How did like teams like the Giants one? There was a lot. There are a lot of mistakes, to be fair. I think yeah. the leader is NFL outdated. Andy from NFL outdated. He had 10 wins. So no one was even close to who's, perfect. Who's the guy in second place? Uh, I'm going to guess it was, it's you since you were bringing it up. Peter's in second <laughs> place already beating me. That's why I didn't let you join last year. Now I can say that out loud since it's over. I'm going to beat you, Peter. We're going to have to make some kind of bet, but I ain't doing the polar plunge. So think about what you're going to want me to do when you think you're going to win. <laughs> it'll, it'll be the polar push. <laughs> that'll push me I'll just in. Push you, push you into like Michigan. In. <laughs> push me into Lake Michigan. Yeah, I will also do the polar plunge. I'll put it out there right now. If Peter beats me in the average cheese pick them, I will do a polar plunge this year, and it'll be God save Dale because I'll be freezing my balls <laughs> off. Anyway, so I have a question for you, friends. One last slice before we get into the Packers debacle. How many games is Mike McCarthy going to last? this season in Dallas. Todd, I will start with you. Will he finish the season in Dallas or will he be fired before the season is over? Uh, They don't have, I mean, Dallas doesn't really have a history of doing that like during the season and with Prescott hurt, he's going to be out four weeks. So, you know, he's not going to get fired during that time period. It's all going to depend on how Prescott kind of bounces back, but I, I don't think he gets fired this season. I don't have high regard for him, but I don't think he gets fired this season. I agree with Todd. I don't think he gets fired during the season either. I've got nothing more than that. I think he lasts the whole year. I do believe Mike McCarthy will be fired mid-season. Not mid-season, but I think late this season they will. I'm with you on the, you know, it's a bad idea, and we've talked about this in the past, bad idea to fire coaches, but it's Jerry Jones. I think Jerry Jones, because he plays GM, has a higher regard for the players than maybe he should have. I don't think Dallas is all that talented, but I think Jerry Jones thinks they are talented. And I think because of that, they'll blame McCarthy and his staff and he will lose his job during the season. Look how bad Jason Garrett was. They hung on to him for fucking ever. They never fired him during the season. So We'll see. I don't have any ill will against Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys coach. (laughs) I certainly did when he was in Green Bay and he wasn't making any changes whatsoever. But... I just, that's just a feeling. I, I just don't think he will make it very long. All right. Let's get on to deep breath. Vikings. Yeah. Vikings 23, Packers 7. I, I don't know where to start here. 
I mean, Peter, any opening thoughts on, or should we just get into the good, the bad, and the ugly? My opening thoughts are I should have let my head rule my heart last week when we picked the, the score for this game. I really feared, and, and we touched on it, I really feared that they may lay an egg like they did in the opener last year against the Saints. Somehow or other, I didn't pick that for my for the result of the game. I feared this is what would happen, and so I wasn't shocked by it. I don't know where to start for myself other than, first and foremost, I think it was the worst coaching performance by LaFleur and Barry. I think they had their, they've had bad games in the past, but this was by far, I thought each one of them had a really terrible coaching game for a number of reasons that we'll get into. It seemed like as bad as the Packers played in this game, they could have and actually should have won this game, which is absurd. So it was a very strange game. It seemed to me that the Vikings were so dialed in and prepared that every like they were predicting what the Packers were going to do. And they knew ex- almost like luring them into things. And they took the bait every time. And then they had, came up with something brand new and the Packers took the bait again. And just they had them just running, scattering all over the field, confused. My initial thought was last year when they got just throttled by New Orleans, I thought, oh, man, yeah, what is happening here? Like, are we going to have one of those seasons where we're very talented on paper and the chemistry just isn't right? Like, what's going on here? But I don't feel that way this year at all. I hate to say I'm not concerned, but I didn't have the same feeling after Sunday's game that I did last year against New Orleans. I thought that it was going to go way south after we got blown out last year against New Orleans. I don't have that same feeling today. It's a similar scenario from last year, right? But only, you know, the difference is Devontae Adams. At least you knew that that was going to catch fire. And this year, there's nobody like that on this squad. No one close. Okay, so good, bad, and ugly. Offensively, I'll start with the good. I was very excited to see Tanyan in the way he played in this game, getting out into space. And he's going to have lost a step, right, or a half step coming off of an ACL like he did. I was very happy to see the way he was moving out there. He didn't catch six or seven balls, but he caught a few, and he looked good doing it. That bodes well going forward. If, like you said, Todd, if the wide receivers aren't going to be ready to to take that jump, then someone else has to catch the ball. And I, I hope that Tanya can do that. Here, a good offensively. AJ Dillon. I thought that he, he ran hard. And I know we'll probably get into that fourth down play at the goal line, but I don't, I, I, that, that not on him. I thought he ran hard. I thought he, again, showed his pass receiving skills out of the backfield that seemed to continue to surprise people. And I'm, and I'm surprised that it continues to surprise people. So for me, I thought that I thought that Dylan was good, and I thought that that Jones, although very underutilized, had a decent, a good performance in a with not enough volume, not enough carries, not enough balls thrown his way, not his fault. When he did touch the ball, he he did everything that was asked of him. A good for you, Tom. That covers it. That's it. That's it. I have nothing more. I don't think there's anything. I haven't that I saw was remotely positive. I have another one on offense that will please you. I thought Jordan Love looked good. <laughs> oh, there we go. He did hit the middle of the field there a bunch go. of times. <laughs> I need had almost break. as many passing yards as Rodgers did on one drive. I mean, on a serious note, though, like 
while they didn't score many points, clearly they scored seven and they had a lot of hiccups. Christian Watson, it was a drop, right? So that's not great, but he is going to blow the top off of guys. That's going to happen. And that was Patrick Peterson. It's not like it's some rookie scrub out there for the first time. This is a guy that has played in the league for a long time and at a high level. Yeah, he dropped it. And that was, I think, a turning point in the game. The first play of the game, I think, was a turning point. I also worried about his mental, but um, I think he is going to be, I think he's going to be a great player. In fact, I have a bet with somebody else that he's going to have better statistics than George Pickens. So he better be great. I'm going to be doing a bunch of polar plunges and shit this year. That's my swear jar down in the basement. Not quite as loud. All right, the bad. Todd, why don't you start with the bad? Where to start? The offensive line was abysmal in this game. I I felt they got fucking their asses handed to them, especially Hanson. He did not belong out there against elites like Donnell Hunter and uh, Darius Smith. I mean, they just abused that dude. And is that the reason why Zach Tom came in? Because he was just getting manhandled, or was he? It was Hanson hurt. Tom came in and replaced somebody, right? Well, I think Runyon. that Tom came in and replaced Runyon, didn't he? When Runyon got hurt, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but yeah, then he I, didn't stay out there the whole game. It was a really poor performance uh, across the line. I, I don't know of anybody who who had a solid game there. And Josh makes, Nyman, makes you, I think he did. Okay, okay. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. I think Nyman did all right. But overall, but, yeah, the concern over the wide receiver group, and this is, you know, this is the going into the season, the biggest story, but you saw some promise in preseason, but it's preseason. And now they get onto the big stage and you really see where they compare with top level NFL teams and, and starters. And I got to say, like, they're clearly not ready. I mean, this is about the most untalented, inexperienced group of receivers I've ever seen. Let's just be honest. Alan Lazard would not be a a number one receiver on any team in this league. I don't care if it's the fucking Browns, Texans, you name it. He is not a number one, and he's our number one. Sammy Watkins, he's not a number two on any team in this league either, and he's our number two. Then starts the list of Randall Cobb, who's in his very later years. And then it goes into the rook, into all the rookies, who none of whom really have impressed me yet. It's time to call OBJ. It's time. <laughs> like, I'm, don't waste any more time. This is not an experiment anymore. Call OBJ. It's time. Peter, the bad offensively? Well, I think, I think the offensive line is, is, is the is question mark here. And I think that clearly they were still... Experimenting with what that lineup would look like during the preseason, with Bakhtiari still injured, with Elton Jenkins still injured. It felt like coming into Sunday's game that there were a lot of questions on the offensive line about who the best five were and, and where they should line up. It's interesting that Jake Hansen, who's played his whole career at centre, is starting at right guard. I don't know whether that's a reflection on him or a reflection on some of the others that haven't progressed as quickly. I don't quite know what what's going on there but but for me biggest bad which you know Todd's already described is, is was that offensive line that's interesting and Jake Hansen also played left guard he played both guard spots in this game and he, he was, shouldn't play shit he should sit yeah, his ass on the fucking awful. sideline he's awful 
So I wonder what it is with Zach Tom, because Zach Tom, I don't have the snaps in front of me. They ran the ball very well for a very short period of time when Zach Tom was in the game. I don't know if that's coincidence or if the Vikings started playing, you know, a little deeper against the pass. Like, I, I don't know that Zach Tom was the reason they ran the ball better but they did run the ball better for a short period of time. And I, Zach Tom, we've talked about it, it is small. I mean, he's light. He's not small, but he's 304 pounds, and that's not a very big guard. That's a pretty small guard. Those guys are usually 325 in that range, but he can move his feet. Part of it was the offensive line, and I, I am not a Jake Hansen fan. I don't think he should be playing on the Packers line right now. He has to clearly. I don't understand, and, and we're not coaches, but – Zach Tom is a better tackle, in my opinion, than he is a guard at this point because of the, the frame that yes. he sits on. Yes. So why not move Royce Newman to guard, which he played, move Zach Tom out to right tackle? And granted, you still are going to have Jake Hansen, John Runyon at left guard until Elton Jenkins comes back. But Yash Nyman is not a hole at left tackle. I watched a lot of snaps of Yash Nyman today before we went on the podcast. That guy did not get beat one-on-one that I saw the entire game. So left tackle is fine. I think Tom at right tackle will be fine. I just don't get it. I don't understand why we keep moving Jake Hansen around the line like he's the fucking answer. If Jake Hansen is the answer, it's a bad question. I don't understand it at all. Peter touched on this before, but where the fuck was Jones in this game? I mean, five carries, 49 yards, he was averaging. And you know if you're going to feed him the ball, 10, 15, at least 10, right? 50, he gets into the 15 to 20 range, you know he's going to break one off. He's your big-time playmaker on that offense right now. And he gets five fucking carries in this game and three receptions? What the fuck was that? I don't know. <laughs> Peter, thoughts on that? Matt LaFleur. I don't understand it at all. I mean, I mean, clearly giving AJ Dillon double the number of carries that Jones had. Clearly, they for some reason they wanted to feature that tough up the middle running style. But it'd be one thing if Dillon had double the carries if Dillon had carried 30 times and Jones had carried 15 times. But you know, 15 carries between them. And I know, you know, you're playing part of the game from behind. I un- I understand that. But you're not playing it from four touchdowns behind at any point in the game. You know, even at the end of the game, you're only two scores behind. So I, I, no, I don't, I don't understand it either. If you have a shaky wide receiver room, and like you just said, it's not like they were four touchdowns down. You know how Tennessee does with Derrick Henry? They could be down two touchdowns, three touchdowns. They keep running the football. They keep running the football because they know that at some point, like you said, Todd, Derrick Henry will break one. That's Aaron Jones also. And I was just having a conversation on Twitter before we went on with Amar Diesel. And I said, I think you could have run yourself back into that game instead of trying to throw. I get the tradition is you're down two touchdowns. We need to throw, 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 throw. But if they're sitting back and cover two or whatever, you know, and just sitting back in a soft shell, you have to do something different. And if you're breaking off 10-yard runs, what's the difference? 10-yard pass, 10-yard run, they're the same outcome. And we could have done it. I hope that we can make adjustments. Like sometimes I worry that the adjustments don't get made during games and everybody on Packers Twitter and granted there's a million of us, but we're all screaming the same shit. We're all saying the same things. I don't get it. Are you trying to suggest during the game, none of the coaches are reading Packers Twitter? (laughs) I guess they're not. 
anything else bad because we all got we got the ugly to go yet Ty go first ugly on offense i actually missed watson's drop i saw it on a replay yeah i was going out to the fucking grill and i was like coming back in through the patio door and i just all i look i look up on the screen and all i see is roger's face and i'm like oh fuck right and sure as shit yep there goes the replay that couldn't have gone any worse I could not have gone any fucking worse. Oh my gosh, is that bad? <laughs> the first play of the season, the season, and of his career, the and first pass of his like opportunity in his career. And message to Christian Watson: You are in a fucking doghouse right now. From Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be tough getting out of that motherfucker. I'm surprised that Rodgers on that end around didn't just keep it. <laughs> right. the other way. I'm not even pitching it to you. Or just slammed it in his gut. <laughs> that was ugly. They showed the still picture of it. You know, they stopped yeah. it and they showed it. It was shades of MBS. It, right. it looked exactly like what MBS used to do on long plays. Arms folded. Yep. Pass going right through his un, you know, yep. his folded arms. Just yep. awful. We did this. This was one of the points we brought up about him when we did the draft show. And there you have it. North Dakota State. I he get is. that he can blow by dudes, but you got to catch the fucking football, dude. That's seven right there. I mean, six, you know, right there. The drop was obviously ugly, but, but at least at that point in the game, you still got 55 minutes to the rest of the game. I was more concerned about the play calling down near the goal line when they got yep. stopped on stopped on fourth down. I didn't understand any of that play calling, and I certainly didn't understand the play that they called on fourth down. Couldn't tell whether that play was designed to go in into the A gap or the B gap. I don't care. If I'm running it, I'm running it behind the le- the left side the left side of the line because that's where the strength of the offensive line, such as such as it was on Sunday, was. Absolutely just didn't understand that play call. Again, later in the game, I didn't understand when they were on third and one and then fourth and one, the two play calls there, or at least the plays that ended up being run. They may not have been the, the plays, to be fair to the coaches, we don't know. They may not have been the plays that were actually sent in. We, we, we don't know. But I, but I certainly don't understand throwing into double coverage 25 yards down the field on fourth, fourth and one. That pass had no chance of being com- no. completed. No, no. Um, that I just didn't understand. So for me, that those were the, the those fourth down situations were were really ugly for me. You have AJ Dillon, who should be able to get you a yard. Now, granted, he didn't get it on the fourth down. That was a great play by Zadarius Smith. To be fair, I fucking hate that guy already. <laughs> it was a good play on his part. He was unblocked. He crashed down. There was nothing else for him to do on the play but crash down. But you still have A.J. Dillon, right? Third down, third and one, run it with A.J. Dillon. Fourth down and one, I'd still run it with A.J. Dillon. This is not part of the ugly, but did either one of you think that that was a really bad spot on the pass that A.J. Dillon caught? I thought he was on top of the defender, and he came down at like the six-inch line. Maybe it's just me, and maybe it was just a bad angle. But I thought, I thought he definitely sure. didn't get in. No, and I didn't think he got yeah. in. But they marked that at the one, like yeah. at the one, and I thought he was a half a yard closer. And I don't know that that changes the play call. But also to to what you said, Peter, why the fuck are you in the shotgun on fourth and one, fourth and goal? 
Why? Why? Now Rogers said that was an RPO, and he and he said at in his post game interview he should have pulled that down because there was nobody out there. The defensive back followed the guy into the flat. Smith crashed down on Dylan. He could have walked into the end zone. The plays preceding that fourth and one on the goal line too were all shit in, in themselves. I mean, I I can't stand when when you have you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you don't take one shot in the end zone. Get the ball in the end zone and try to get the get get the play. Maybe you get a pass interference and you and you get it to the one, and you're going to get more chances there. You have an automatic first down on the one, but it, they didn't take any shots in the end zone whatsoever. It was just all over the place. I don't. I'm not defending the play calling, but I will say, and I have not watched like the all 22 vision. You know, where you can see it from behind the quarterback but I am not sure that anybody was open downfield. And I wonder if that doesn't also contribute to the sacks that were taken. Now oh. there were, I'm sure some guys open, but I don't know. Our, I our think guys getting open. The other factor, there was a combination. There was that right guys, not getting open, but there was also guys who were running the wrong routes and the timing and everything off. You, you saw the, you know, they, they tried to throw that quick little, uh, that to, the flat, play. to the flat to, to Christian Watson that they used to do with Devontae all the time. Dude, that yeah. wasn't even close. He didn't have his head That wasn't around. even close. No. That reminded me of Amari Rogers did the same exact thing last yeah, year. Yeah, not even close. Just now you've mentioned Amari Rogers didn't play a single offensive play. Right. Where was he? And now I'm getting angry. Poorly, <laughs> poor game plan by LaFleur. Really right. poor. And I think if we stay on this bit, too long i'm gonna get so angry that i might even swear so we should yeah probably... let's move all right. on all right let's, all right, let, let's right. move on and i don't want to cut out more of our show <laughs> god save the peter let's move on <laughs> all right so let's talk about some good things defensively peter you want to go first on the defense was there anything i thought quay walker showed up to play i think he led packers in tackle he certainly was leading the packers in tackles deep into that into that game he did he certainly showed up to play gary came up with that sack relatively early in the game i guess in the second half, at some point in the second half, they made adjustments about who was covering who and what coverages they were in. So that was a positive step too late in the game. I'm struggling to find too much great defensively. The only thing I would say, taking a step back, despite the fact that Jefferson racked up all those yards, the Packers only gave up 23 points. It wasn't like they gave up 45 points off the back of Jefferson getting all those yards. It was okay, but it's difficult to find lots of good. There is some good and bad on, on Quay Walker. He does look like he can play. He's obviously a sure tackler. You can see the big body and why, why they drafted him. But in that first drive of the Vikings, they targeted him. They had plays arranged to absolutely isolate him and you know and get, get him going back. You know, either trying to go back into coverage or just completely confusing him. And he got abused on that first drive, man. It was ugly. Really ugly. Put that on Barry, man. Like, make some adjustments, man. They they didn't, the whole game, the defense just didn't, they they looked confused out there. They were pointing at each other, wait, wait, huh? And then before you know it, the ball snapped and nobody knows who they're covering. And it was terrible. Terribly coached defensive game. I can't disagree with any of that. I will say, though, that that pre-snap motion had the entire defense messed up, not just Quay Walker. Like, they had no clue what was going on. They had no answer. Well, and if they're playing a zone, why do you care? 
that I don't understand. Peter, remember we t- this was probably two seasons ago now. The thing about Joe Barry, when Joe Barry became the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, they talked about the star defense. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where the fuck is that? Because yeah. the star defense was going to be everybody's playing zone, but one guy's going to play man-to-man. Wasn't that what it was? Isn't that the premise of the star defense? And maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like that was it. Jair Alexander is your star. And if you're going to put someone on Justin Jefferson, it has to be him. I don't know if that star defense is a thing or not, but that's how I remember it. And maybe it's just, maybe I'm completely ass backwards. I, I don't know. But think, the good think, for me, just to, to finish off, I thought Quay Walker played well. He is stupid fast. And for a young guy who's going to get better when he gets the nuances of coverage, he is very good in coverage. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. He's just not super strong at the point of attack. He's very straight up when he tackles guys. Like, he doesn't break down very well. But I, I thought he played well, and I don't think anyone else did. No. Savage even in the game? I don't well, remember I know him. he was. He, he got turned around on that first touchdown <laughs> on Jefferson. It, it looks like he was running around in circles like, like the old uh, – you know, metal football game where a guy would just run around in circles. That was Darnell Savage. And Amos, too, on that play, yep. completely fucking, Same. totally go- lost. Totally yep. lost on that play. Yep. Terrible. Stoke, Stokes had a bad game. And we're talking I mean, about the good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Fuck, well, let's move okay. on. Let's move there's, on. There's plenty more to Ooh, talk we about. We have cussing a lot today. <laughs> the but bad. Again, the, the, the bad on, you know, if, if we're talking about Stokes, like, why the fuck isn't Jair Alexander on Jefferson? You just assign him. You go wherever that dude goes, and the defense is in, in a different, completely different set. You, you match up your guy against Justin Jefferson, and they had Stokes on him. And then they had fucking Quay Walker on him at one point. And then Preston Smith is in coverage, thanks to Coach Patton. I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe Barry the was on the sideline. It was just like, "Fuck, man, none of my shit's working." <laughs> let me let me but let me dust the fucking old playbook off of from fucking Petten. Oh, it says here to to fucking line up Preston Smith in the flat. Let's try that on. That was great. I do have a positive. I just thought of this while you were I'm ranting. Up to twenty already. I thought for being down in this game the entire game. I thought they did contain the run relatively well. Yes. They gave up four and a half yards per carry, which isn't awesome, but they were losing this game. It was 20 nothing in the third quarter. You would think a team would run up 140, 150 yards on them. For, so, I mean, they didn't destroy Dalvin Cook, but he had 20 carries for 90 yards, which is fine. But he didn't, he didn't beat the Packers, and that was one of our no. keys. Stop Dalvin Cook. We didn't stop him. But we slowed him down enough. Just decided not to cover Jefferson. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the uninitiated observer like me, one of the difficulties that you have is that it, it appeared that they spent 90% of the time playing zone coverage. And you would think with Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, I mean, Stokes is a man coverage guy. The, the one thing you, you didn't want to do drafting Stokes was have him playing off. That's not it. That's not his game. So th- those those two guys, you would think that man coverage would be the predominant coverage that they would do. Surely you're going to mix it up and everything else. 
but it just felt like and it looked like and, and like you dale i haven't gone back and looked at the all 22 yet it may be different when we see that but it just felt like they spent the majority of the day in zone coverage and that just didn't appear to make sense and it certainly doesn't appear to make sense when jefferson's racking up all of those yards in the first quarter at some point you say we need to change this even if that's the game plan you had coming in you've got to change that but you've got to change it not not at the end of the third quarter you need to be changing that at, at the end at the end of the first quarter so that's the that's the stuff that just on the face of it like i said not gone back and looked at the all 22 yet but on the face of it that just looked bizarre even my son who is nine kept saying dad why do they keep playing zone and i'm like <laughs> i don't fucking know <laughs> fucking no son i don't i don't know uh, I really don't but you will be a future average cheeser, my son. Because <laughs> <laughs> you think right along the same. Yes, line you do. Doesn't... You're right. You're right along the same wavelength. I don't fucking know either. <laughs> <laughs> the way you're getting apoplectic now, it might be sooner rather than later. Right. It'll be the. <laughs> it'll be the youngest Widener, the young man, and the because Todd will be like laying there <laughs> having a seizure. You just have to stunt double in during episodes. <laughs> okay, bad. My turn. <laughs> All right, son. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Devontae Wyatt kind of got pushed around in this game. He didn't play spectacularly bad. He wasn't on roller skates, but I, I still say he plays too high, and especially against good offensive linemen. He did it in the preseason against second stringers and third stringers. You certainly aren't going to do that against the starting offensive line in the NFL. He's 24 years old. And I don't want to say his window is closing because it's his rookie year, but he's not 20. He's not 21. Like, you need to make these adjustments quicker. You've played a lot of football. If you can't do it soon, you're a bust. And I'm saying this after his first game, and I know that's not fair. Here's the concern. And you're absolutely right. He's played one game, and we, you know, we hope and expect that he's going to improve. But the concern, is that he played on that Georgia defensive line alongside Jordan Day, Jalen Carter, who's going to be a first-round pick in 2023. Yeah, Quay Walker won- behind him. And- right, and, and so, so, you, so you wonder. Yeah, it's a question mark. You know, it might not be the right question, but it feels like until that question's answered, you know, for all of those guys, you're always going to look at it and say, well, actually, is this guy being successful because he's playing around these five or six other first-round pick guys? I've said that forever. That's why I would never draft an Alabama guy back in the day. And this is the same idea, Peter. It's exact same thing. You get single team because you got guys next to you that are going to be NFL guys. And you don't have to ever face a double team. You don't have to beat off blockers. And the hope you have is actually that Wyatt was the one making the other guys look better. That's the hope that we that we have, but time will tell. I was just wondering where Wyatt was. If he's a first-round pick, why the, Why isn't he out there? That's the expectation for me, is that if, if you're a first-round pick, then you better be out there contributing like right away. So I guess, I guess in fairness, your man Dean Lowry is out there. Right. Yeah. Dean. But if you're not better than the two guys in front of you, he's not better than Jerron Reed right now, and he's not better than Dean Lowry right now. No, that, that, there's not. no question about that. That's why he's not out there. But, right, you expect your first-round pick to come in and play in the first game. right? Yeah. That's why he's a first-round pick. We talked about Preston Smith being in coverage again. 
Enig Barre had to come across the middle and make a tackle. One of the first tackles of the game was Enig Barre making a tackle on the tight ends. Like, whoa, I bet he didn't have to do that very often at South Carolina, if ever. I mean, to give Minnesota's offensive playbook and, and their coaches credit, they did things that created mismatches and they took advantage of them. Remember when we used to have a ton of pre-snap motion? Wasn't that long ago. Pre-snap motion is going to make you at least think, if not change the coverage you're in. And that's why you ended up with Justin Jefferson on a linebacker and Justin Jefferson running out in the flat against the defensive lineman and that kind of thing. I mean, Another uh, San Diego State alum, O'Donnell. Yeah, I saw that. He was a running quarterback at San Diego State. All right, let's move on then to week two versus the Chicago Arlington Heights Bears. <laughs> they are 1-0. Did you guys watch that game? I was texting Todd here. I, mean, I didn't see, no, I didn't. I, I remember you texting me. And I was like, no, we don't have it on here. They played that game in an absolute monsoon. Like you could see like little rivers forming on the field at the yard lines. That was crazy. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? And, and I don't know whether this photo had been photoshopped or not. I don't think so, but it might have been. Somebody posted a photo of the sideline before the game. And the sideline was wonky. <laughs> it wasn't straight. Yeah. They yeah. did just redo the field. So that's very possible that that yeah. grass was starting to come up. They just put that shitty grass down. Soldier field. Yeah, that was crazy. I will say this about the Bears, though. They are not going to win just three or four games. I said this to Todd. I think I put it on Twitter, too. I don't know if San Francisco is that bad right now. If it was the field conditions are the bears better than we thought, or if it's a complete mix of all of those things, but the bears do not look like a three win team. I don't care what the field looked like. Justin Fields gives them an opportunity to win more than four games all on his own. I was actually impressed by the bears this weekend. And that that's saying a lot for me. It's at home, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got to win this game. Fuck the bears. That's my bears preview. Fuck the bears. Okay. I mean, they did play well. And again, I think Trey Lance might be garbage, but that's another story for another day. They don't scare you with offensive weapons, though. It's Justin Fields. Darnell Mooney is okay. Equinemius St. Brown had a touchdown. Your buddy had a touchdown in this game. It was a really well-thrown ball considering the conditions, I thought, by Fields. But they don't have a marquee guy. David Montgomery, not a marquee guy. Cole Komet, not a marquee guy. Like, the only guy to me that is marquee player is Justin Fields. I think that's right. I mean, I think I think that Mooney is under underrated. You wouldn't put him in that upper, upper echelon. He's, you know, he's not at the Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup level of wide receivers, but I think he's underrated. But I, th- but I think that Fields, Fields is one of those guys at this stage in his career with the skills that he's got, who could be awful for 90% of a game, but still have the ability, if a game's close, to win to to pull that game out with an exceptional exceptional play, and that's what scares you right now about about Justin Fields. Over the ye- years to come, you would assume that he's going to get better and better and better, and you know, and that's going to be a problem the whole of the division in the years to come. But I think right now, I think if the Bears keep games close, that he has the capability to win them those close games by coming up with one of those big plays. And, that's and he did it stuff. in this game. Scrambled out of the pocket, should have been sacked. Dante Pettis is standing all by himself. 
I mean, it wasn't a hard throw to make because there was no one on that half of the field, but he scrambled out of a situation that a lot of guys can't. And that's the play that that play changed the entire game. They were not moving the football at all in that game. And all of a sudden they started to believe in themselves and that game turned on that play, I think. And that's what the kind of thing that Justin Fields will give you. Yeah. It's hard to tell when it's a monsoon and you can't really do anything against a guy who's, I think, was that Trey Lance's first NFL start? Did he make a start? Mm, I th- well, last year he started the season and got hurt, right? But I don't think he was the starter in week one. I thought he came mm. in on a play like, you know, they were using him in packages, yeah. and then he came oh. in for a start in yeah. the rain, bad weather, but still their defense – wasn't disgustingly bad. Now it's Aaron Rodgers. It's a better team. You would hope that the Packers would take advantage of those things and go up early. You've got to think that there's got to be a huge surge of urgency in the locker room this week. Let me ask you this question in week two, because I asked this very same question in week two in 2021. Is this a must win for the Packers? Fuck yeah. As, as early as week two? I guess, yes. I mean, my initial thoughts are it's week two. But it is a division game, right? And if you're, if you don't think you're going to win the 13 or 14 games to get home field and you're not, and you're playing for just to win the division, if you think that the division is going to be close, then I guess it is. Yes. Because you can't go down, be 0 and 2 and have lost to the Bears and the Vikings. In week two, there's 15 games left to play, but it also, you start in a big hole. And you start now the Bears are 2-0. and The Vikings will probably be 2-0 and too, and you're 0-2. And, and yeah, that could be a problem. You are looking up the whole season. Did you see they missed two extra points in that game? Really? I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry that that brings me joy, but yes, two extra points. Not quite as bad as the Burkich kick in the, in the <sighs> preseason, but damn close. Really close. Like straight sideways type shit. So... That makes me happy. I was just going sideways, really, not so much about the Bears, but it was an interesting week for kickers. There was yeah, some they had a lot of interesting misses. extra points, field goal misses, and yet there's that the guy, Cincinnati game. Yeah, the, the guy for the the guy for the Browns kicked the game winner was a sixty yarder, sixty yarder game winner on his first appearance. Weird one. And the Colts today waived Rodrigo Blankenship. Can you believe that? Yeah, they don't have a kicker, do they? No, not not as far as I know. Well, it's not fantasy okay. football. <laughs> you know, like, you're going to pull another guy up. You can't play without one. It's not how it works. Burkich is out there. Yeah, he'll be the next kicker. Of the, Sign the his ass. Goals. So to go back to the Bears really quickly, the defense yeah. is not the name guys, the Khalil Max, uh, Akeem Hicks type guys. But again, I don't know if it was the field conditions, but they had a couple of sacks. An interception and a fumble recovery in this game. They were opportunistic. Again, it might be the the weather. might be a bad quarterback play. I don't know. But any concerns? I don't think you got to be a good defense to stop the Packer wide receivers right now. I think there's not just concerns with the Packers offense. I think there's concerns with the Packers defense as well until they show me that there aren't. I thought that the Packers might start slowly and get better and be strong at the end of the season. And that's kind of still what I'm hanging my hat on, but I think there's concerns on, on both sides, on both sides of the ball. Will the bears be able to exploit those issues? I guess is, is the question. Question is how many points do you need to score to beat the Packers with the state of the Packers offense right now? Is 21 points enough to beat the Packers (laughs) week in, week out? I don't think so, but clearly they only scored seven last week. So (laughs) I mean, 
I could be wrong. It's a little strange, right? Like, it's hard to say what's going to happen. We did the same thing last year, and we were very upset last year, and, and the Packers righted the ship. Then they go 7-0. and I don't think they won their next seven games after their ugly opening game loss to New Orleans. So maybe they'll light the world on fire and get going. I think, Todd, though, what you said, Devontae Adams can right a lot of wrongs. When you got a, a player of that elite level, you can throw him the football, and the rest of the guys don't matter. Uh, they got to be a little more balanced without him. You know, when Lazard comes back, I don't think that writes the ship, honestly. I mean, I think it's okay, an improvement, but I don't think it's things are going to turn around with Alan Lazard. Agreed that the, he's not a one and he's not going to change it's a things. a bigger issue much. than just in the whole, in the aggregate, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, and Lazard. Yes. If they all come back, now That's... do you change? Yes. Your thoughts. Just Bakhtiari and Jenkins alone, I think, is is change enough. Oh yeah, Peter, you look like you're deep in thought. So, <laughs> you got anything else? <laughs> no, I, I tend to agree. I guess the one thing we didn't touch on, and you've just raised mm-hmm. the Bakhtiari and Jenkins injuries, there is that the Packers <clears throat> elevated Caleb Jones to the active roster today. Mm. placing when they place Chris Barnes on injured reserve. And I think that points to two things. One is perhaps some concern about the offensive line, but two, and I think this was the significant part here, is that clearly other teams were attempting to sign him off the Packers practice squad today before they could protect him at whatever time it was, four o'clock Eastern this afternoon. So clearly that leaves them an inside linebacker short on the on the roster. So it wouldn't surprise me to see another roster move at some point this week or they just activate a guy from the practice squad for the, for the game day. But it's interesting. We all liked Caleb Jones. I'd like to see him get an opportunity. However, <laughs> prefer for him not to have to play is, yes. the, is the real truth. We want D back and we want EJ, EJ back. And I agree with Todd. I think if you get those two guys back as soon as possible without, without risking them, then I think that makes a huge difference. So let's pick this game and finish this off. So the Packers right now are 10-point favorites against the Bears. 10-point favorites at home, 720 kickoff at night. Anyone want to go first? I'll go first if you want. Sunday night football, Packers are 10-point favorites. The over-under is 42.5. I will go first then since you guys are just sitting there in silence. I think the Packers will win this game. They will not cover. And it will be over. I think they will go over the 42 and a half. Not much. I think it'll be, and I'll give a score prediction. I think it will be Packers 24, Bears 20. Of course, if you follow the average cheese pick them, you know I suck at predictions. But there it is. I would pick the under and the Bears to cover and the Packers to win. And I'm with Todd. I think both of the offenses struggle all night. I think the Packers win the game 14-13. Is this the 80s? (laughs) (laughs) 14-13, Packers win? Oh, Lord. I don't think that's... Peter, if that happens, I'm going to have a head full of gray hair immediately after that. I will just be, oh, Lord, please don't let that happen. I'm going to have to pray for that tonight, that that don't happen. All right, so there's our picks. Anything else before we go? All right. So thanks for listening to episode 94 of the Average Cheese Podcast. 
the KGB version of the average cheese. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go pack go.